Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nate Thurston, and across from me is no one right now. It's just an empty chair. There's no one there because it's only me. Charlie's going out of town. I have no idea where he's going or if he's even coming back. I got no clue, but he's gone today, too busy, and I'm going to be doing this on my own along with the people that are in the live group hanging out because they went to join gmail.com or previously they probably went to locals.com and did that, but they went to join gmail.com and they joined the live chat so that we can hang out together. So I don't just have to be sitting here by myself doing this show as Charlie constantly leads me to do. So there's really only one thing that people are talking about today. And, uh, and so we're going to be doing a little bit more of what we did yesterday only digging in just a little bit deeper to some of the numbers, some of the statistics, some of the arguments that people are making, some of the ridiculous articles that have came out from New York Times and Washington Post and and all over the place, and a little bit about what the uh, police response was uh, to the shooting, uh, during the shooting, while it was happening. I'm going to try to just put all that as delicately as I possibly can So we'll be going through all that stuff. Before we get into all of that, I just want to say we're we're kind of conceding a point when when I make the arguments I'm about to make in in this episode. And by that, I mean uh, all of the statistics we'll bring up and whether or not these laws work, uh, whether or not uh, an assault weapons ban actually decreased homicides or deaths whenever that was in place for 10 years when we when we talk we're really arguing from the wrong standpoint we're we're arguing from the left's point of view we're we're conceding a really big part of the principle but we're going to do that because even when you argue uh from their point of view you're still right and so if that's the only way that they'll end up hearing you, if that's the only way that they'll actually listen, then you can argue from that point of view and you're still right. So by that, I mean, you have a right as a human being to defend yourself. You have a right as a human being to obtain weapons 
as so you can protect yourself not only from people who uh, want to do you harm, maybe they want to rob you, they want to do whatever, but also so you can protect protect yourself from a tyrannical government. That's why we have the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment does not give you that right. It says that the government will protect that right for you. You have that right because you were born, because you exist. That is the actual libertarian, liberty-oriented principle that we should be arguing from when we talk to people. And we end up just going down to their level and we talk about, well, actually, that's not going to work. You know, there's so many guns here. You're not going to be able to take all of them. Uh, the, uh, the assault weapons ban, it didn't really do anything. Uh, the criminal background check, well, that wouldn't have stopped this shooting. And those are all valid points as well. And we'll be making a lot of them today, but I don't want to lose sight of the fact that the basis of all of this is uh, are your natural rights. They are the, the fact that who, who has the right to tell you that you can't get a weapon to defend yourself, that you can't have weapons in your house? Who, who has that right? How did they get that right? I don't know. You probably don't either. I don't think that a, a, just because a mob gets so big that that means they get to the side that they can take rights away from you. I, I don't believe in that whatsoever. We do the same thing with when it comes to economics, when we talk about taxation. Well, you have the right to your money because it's your money, because you spent your time and your labor and your resources, your human capital to produce that money or to obtain that money. That's how you got it. The other people don't just automatically have the right to take whatever percentage away from you that they decide they want to take away from you. But then we end up just arguing, saying, well, actually, the higher taxes, they don't work. People can get around them. Actually, that's bad for the economy. And you could see that, well, if you lowered taxes, we actually ended up with the most corporate tax receipts that we've that we've ever had uh, in the last year. And we just kind of concede that whole liberty point, that that whole I own myself point. Sometimes you have to do it, though. You have to do it whenever when you're talking to people because that's the only thing that they'll listen to. But likely they're not going to listen to that either. Let's all just be honest. So when we talk about solving this problem, we got to identify what the problem is. If you're on the left, you think the problem is with guns. Just the fact that people are able to get guns. And that's why we have all these problems um, that to me, that's not what the issue is. The problem is what people want to do with those with those guns, why they would want to use them in the way that they do use them. And most of these statistics, most of these numbers that we look at, it, it has to do with uh, robberies and drugs and gang violence and domestic violence, stuff like that. It's, it's not coming from mass shootings. It's not coming from school shootings. So we got to, we got to figure out what it is that we're actually talking about here. Cause we're all just talking and talking around each other. We're not even arguing from the same standpoints. It really becomes pretty pointless. Let's just be honest. It gets pretty, pretty pointless, but we do have a problem that I think we need to figure out. And that I do think that we have a problem with mental health. I think, I think that that is true. We do have a problem with that. I think we have a problem with mental health in young people, especially over the last couple of years. We've seen the numbers jump up on that. I think that that's a growing, growing concern that we have to address as a country, or we at least have to, to, to try and figure out what the solutions are for that. I think we have a growing problem with uh, mental health in young males. 
I think that that's definitely been the case. You see through almost all of these shootings, most of them are committed by, by males, you know? And so why is all of this the case? Could we actually talk about why that's the case? Or do we just have to talk about how we're going to take away the tools and not even actually be able to take away the tools, by the way? And what do you expect, you know, when we have a we have a media and a political class, all these people that basically specialize in creating confusion and panic and anger and hatred in the minds of, of everyone. And when the, the younger people hear that, they don't know what to do with it. They grow up confused. They think that the world's ending. And we got a problem where society treats, uh, you know, we talked about it being a lot, of, a lot of males, a lot of young males who do this. As a society, we treat masculinity as toxic. Instead of, you know, what, why, why do we have masculinity? Why, why are men different from women? Well, that's another topic that we, <laughs> we just can't go into these days, can we? Why is that? There's evolutionary reasons for why this is the case. Why is it the case that men are more aggressive and disagreeable than women just on a, on a biological basis? Why is that important? Why do you have to treat it as this evil, terrible thing instead of trying to figure out uh, how to create a mental environment where that doesn't get used to do terrible things? I think we got a big problem with parenting in our country. I think that stems from a lack of personal responsibility. I think we have a problem with parents who have given away their responsibility as parents to the public school systems and the village that's supposed to be raising their children for them. And uh, a lot of, it's obviously not all parents. You guys know that. But I think a lot of times you see that being the case. Uh, absentee fathers, fatherlessness. That's a big issue. A lot of these shooters don't have fathers in the household. You don't have a, a positive male role model in your life. I think that creates really big issues. We tell kids all these crazy things. And, and of course, some of these are isolated events, but we do stuff like, uh, I don't know, maybe if you're a white, you're an evil person. Or maybe if you're a minority, everyone in society hates you. And you're never going to be able to get ahead in America, by the way, because of the system that we have. It doesn't matter. All these kids are just oppressed victims and there's no bright future at all. As long as this person is in charge, you know, the, it, it's, what do you expect? That's what I want to know is what, what do you expect? You know, anytime that there is something wrong, it's always someone else's fault. Are you doing bad in school? Well, that's probably your teacher's fault, more than likely. It's probably society's fault. I tell you that you're never going to have a good life like what's the point of all of this you're gonna the the whole planet's gonna be destroyed before these kids even hit their 30s what's the point why would you try to be a decent person that nothing matters anyway we're all gonna die from climate change why would this even matter you know human beings are just a plague on the planet we're responsible for every single thing that's wrong in the world especially if you're a male just telling you that right now it's a miracle that any of these kids grow up to be decent people. Honestly, every time you see someone graduate and they're an actual decent person, we need to study that person, figure out how the heck that actually happened. We actually do know how it happened. You had a pretty stable family. You probably had a father in the household. 
all, all that stuff. They've got numbers on all of that. So, like I said, we, we got a lot of problems for sure. And, um, you know, now we'll go into some of the articles because everyone's trying to identify the problem right now. Just like this article from the Washington Post. I'm trying to also read through the, uh, the chat as we're, as we're going through here. Always tough when it's just me because if I stop talking, that's weird. You want to see? See, that was me reading through the chat. That was weird, wasn't it? Yeah, thought so. Okay, so this article from the Washington Post from Christine Emba. You, this is your fault. This should have been a dumb bleep, but it's too maddening to be a dumb bleep, and there's too much stuff that we'll have to go through with it. Let's start off with way back in aught eight, then Senator Barack Obama was castigated for saying that some Americans cling to their guns and their Bibles. He also said, and for suggesting that this was unhealthy. But other politicians, they saw the backlash. They learned not what not to say. They learned not to point fingers because they knew that they would be accused of hating freedom, loving tyranny, overreaching, and pursuit of control. They understood that they would be shouted down and then perhaps voted out. They learned to say the obvious. These mass shootings are an act of God. The status quo is bad. Our lack of action on guns is killing people, and someone is to blame. But who? You. This is your fault. I'm reading from the article right now. You, the gun-obsessed minority who lord over our politics and prevent change from being made. You, who mumble thoughts and prayers but balk at action. You, the constitutional absolutist who believes that the right to bear arms, written in the late 1700s when the state-of-the-art weapon was the the flintlock musket, should be expanded to include modern-day, high-capacity automatic rifles at the cost of children's lives. That is, that's the uh, just the inherent belief, the baseline belief, is that it should include uh, weapons of war uh, at the cost of children's lives. you got to have that at the cost of children's lives in there. That actually forms the basis of your opinion. Um, so when they, when they wrote the Second Amendment, by the way, they didn't include AR-15s because they, they didn't exist. Okay, that's a, one of the main reasons that they didn't include it. But this stems from a lack of understanding of what the Constitution is, what the Second Amendment means. Once again, you're a human being. You have the right to defend yourself. And also, it's important that the people keep and bear arms so we can stop a tyrannical government from doing what tyrannical governments do. And yes, that will include having weapons that make it easier for you to fight that tyrannical government. There is no way in hell that the people who wrote the Constitution and signed it would have said, you know what, the government should be able to have these powerful weapons, but not the people. Really? Do you think that that's something that they would have thought? No. If you think that, then you have no clue what the Second Amendment is at all. You, the shooting hobbyist or the gun enthusiast, all you shooting hobbyist and gun enthusiast in the group, all you rich people these days, geez, ammo's expensive, who advocates against gun control because you think that makes your weekend amusement even the slightest bit more difficult to participate in. You, the performative patriot, 
who believes that background checks, age limitations, training requirements, any reasonable regulations, they got to be reasonable, probably common sense, more than likely, any reasonable regulations that could keep people safe are insufferable limitations on your freedom. You, the sophist who says guns don't kill people, people kill people. As if those people aren't killing others using guns. And as if it isn't obvious, the havoc they wreak would be much reduced had they not been given easy access to weapons of mass murder. You, who would rather forget about the children murdered and the families broken, because if we thought about them too much, you'd feel bad and might have to give something up. Lest I be accused of being one-sided, let's not stop finger-pointing. If it's a you problem, it's an us problem too. The United States and its culture writ large, right and left included. A country that defines itself by freedom. Now, this is an important part. All right. A country that defines itself by freedom and has over decades fetishized and misguided a misguided ideal of liberty that values the individual over everyone and everything else. That is you. That is the problem. A country that defines itself by freedom and liberty that values the individual over everyone and everything else. Because if we just value the collective, then none of these bad things would happen. If we just removed individual liberty and instead just worried about... uh, the, the entire collective, the entire society, we would all relinquish those, those terrible 18th century ideas of freedom and liberty, and then all this would go, go away. It's time to admit that we, we Americans, and the rationalizations we tolerate are to blame. Only then can we shoulder the responsibility to act. First off, I want to point out, anyone notice couple people that weren't included in the you part of that in the people that were the blame it really kind of tells you everything kind of sums up everything i said to start off the show didn't name the shooter didn't say that the that the murderers were the blame didn't blame parents didn't say that parents were the blame at all nope it's all the people who believe in the second amendment It's all the people on the right. It's all the Republicans. It's not the person who actually did the thing. And there is our problem. No personal responsibility. Even after a mass murder of all of these innocent kids, the shooter is still not responsible. It's actually Republicans. That's who it is. Can't name. Can't name him in there. Just can't do it. Well, I want to take a quick break from all of this craziness to tell you who's not as stressed out about all the stuff going on in our country. And that's Mikkel Thorpe from expatmoney.com. We're going to tell you about the upcoming online summit from Mikkel Thorpe and expatmoney.com with over 30 experts who are focused on moving your life, business, and wealth offshore. This is free to attend. You just go to expatmoneysummit.com. Reclaim your freedom from all this chaos and uncertainty. All right. So what they're going to be covering, how to secure your own plan B safe haven, how to use foreign currencies, offshore banking, and decentralized finance to safeguard your money, 
how to legally reduce your tax burden, how and where to safely store gold, silver, and other precious metals, where the best countries are in the world to find your freedom for yourself and your family, and how you can get a second passport to travel the globe without restrictions and get in and out of different countries' borders. You will learn about a libertarian island haven, private cities, communities on the ocean, and food and energy independent towns in Latin America. So go once again, register now for free, expatmoneysummit.com. This is your way to fight back against what's happening in the world. Stand up, protect yourself, and find out how to secure your new life abroad. Register now for free at expatmoneysummit.com. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Listen, relationships take work. We all know that. And we all know that we would drop everything to go help someone that we care about. Just think someone in your family or one of your friends is going through a tough time. You do anything to help them. But how often do you give yourself the same treatment? This month, BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you to take care of your most important relationship the one you have with yourself, whether it's hitting the gym, making time for that haircut, or even trying therapy, you are your greatest asset. So invest the time and effort into yourself like you do for other people. Now, Charlie has been using BetterHelp for quite a long time. He has really enjoyed it. I've used it as well. And let me tell you, some of the most important moments of my life happened when I was talking to someone about what was going on. I still remember the things that I was told to this day. Just imagine if you could get that same thing and how much it would help. BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Give it a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp Online Therapy. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and Good Morning Liberty listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash gml. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash gml. Let's go to the next thing from the New York Times. These gun reforms could save 15,000 lives, and we can achieve them. Guys, all we're going to do is just do these couple things. We're going to save 15,000 people with three easy savings of 5,000 people. You will be able to achieve all of these goals right there from the New York Times. Gun enthusiasts protest that now is the time for mourning, not politics, for national grief rather than polarizing debates about firearms but we're tired of commemorating gun violence in America with thoughts and prayers. We didn't, <laughs> we didn't respond to Russia's invasion of Ukraine with thoughts and prayers. We didn't respond to 9-11 with only moments of silence or the Pearl Harbor with lowered flags and memorial services. Yeah, there you go. Experts suggest that over time, we plausibly could reduce gun deaths by a third or 15,000 lives saved annually with a series of pragmatic limits on firearms and those who can get them. What limits are they going to talk about here? For example, consider the minimum age to buy or possess a gun. The suspects in both Texas and the Buffalo shootings were only 18. Americans 18 to 20 account for 4% of the population, but 17% of those known to have committed a murder. 
So we're going to have to raise the gun buying age up to 21. And that's going to uh, solve the problem. Overall, one third of states limit purchase of handguns to, to those 21 or older, according to the Giffords Law Center, to prevent gun violence. If we say that teenagers can't buy beer, isn't it worth having a conversation about whether they should be able to buy a Glock, Glock 19 handguns and AR-15 style rifles? Well, maybe uh, we should lower the drinking age down to 18. The question there is, when do you become, and when are you an adult that's protected by the, by the Constitution? When do you get your individual liberty? When do you get your natural rights that are going to be protected by the, by the government? The, we, we are, we do conflict on that idea. We, we actually do, okay? When it comes to uh, things like smoking and drinking and all of that, um, and then being able to vote or then going into the military, uh, the, we're all over the place. So what is it? When are you an adult that has rights that, is, uh, that are protected by the Constitution? I don't know. And it is confusing, and we should be more principled on that idea. I, I agree. Let's decide what the age is. One study, we're going to do some studies here real quick. One study found that 17% of all firearm offenders obtained guns legally, but would not have been able to do so if their state required handgun purchasers to be at least 21. So 17% of firearm offenders were under the age of 21. Even more would have been ineligible to buy guns if there had been limits on those with drug or alcohol convictions. Drug or alcohol convictions. That's correct. Uh, this person from the New York Times is suggesting that if you have a drug conviction, which I thought we were supposed to be uh, doing away with stuff like that, you know, I, th I thought that we were supposed to be moving away from that society where someone gets uh, caught with some weed or some drug, whatever it is, and, and then they lose their rights or whatever. Uh, they can still probably have the right to, to vote, of course, but you can't have the right to defend yourself. That would be ridiculous. And then alcohol convictions, like a DUI. You DUIs, can't get a gun? Is that a, is that a thing? I mean, I got a, a, the open container ticket on my record. Sorry, Mom. Uh, I got an open container ticket on my record. Does that, does that mean I can't do anything? Uh, I, I, I don't know. That seems a little bit ridiculous. If you're talking about things where there wasn't any violence. Okay, let's go to some of the study right here. So what they found in the study, by the way, was uh, of the people. Now, they studied people who were in prison. So they're already starting with a, with a faulty data set. They're studying people who were in prison. So people who got caught and convicted uh, and that, of committing those crimes. So your data your data is already way off, Okay. You're, you're not actually getting an accurate sample of the population when you're only talking about people who were convicted of these crimes. But anyway, 31% of the people they were convicted would have, uh, would have been legal even if they would have had these tougher restrictions. So regardless of what restrictions we're talking about, it would have been legal. But 29% of those, if we enacted those restrictions we just talked about, 29%, they would have been prohibited from being able to get a gun. The other portion of them, 40% of the people that were there, they actually had an illegal gun. They were in possession of it illegally. So they admit that there's nothing that they could have done. But then they take these numbers right here and they say, well, these 
they would have been prohibited from getting a gun. So therefore, we could save 15,000 lives because of that 29% right there. But then, okay, what portion of those people would have just gotten a gun illegally? Because almost half of them that they sampled had their gun illegally in the first place. And so you can't take a group of people where it was legal for them to get a gun and then assume that if you made it illegal, that then they wouldn't go and get a gun afterwards. Of course, that doesn't matter. Just, you know, talking about things, uh, it just really just means that you don't care about kids. That's another conversation to have. We typically don't allow people with felony convictions to possess firearms. And wouldn't it also make sense to bar purchase by someone with a recent misdemeanor conviction for drug or alcohol abuse? For violence or for stalking. So they throw violence and stalking in that time. Even, even, and here's a problem, Republicans, here's a problem. Even former President Donald Trump has backed red flag laws. And that is the point where you lose, as we say, and like our granddaddies used to say, your principled leg to stand on. When you come out and say red flag laws, oh, you just can't do those. That's evil, tyrannical leftists that are just trying to take away all your rights. Oh, whoops. Uh-oh. Donald Trump uh, backed some red flag laws. Uh-oh. That's not good. See, you got to be principled all the time. And even if your guy, Trump, who, by the way, has no principles. Can we, can we just at least admit that he doesn't have any principles? Okay. Even if he comes out and says red flag laws, yeah, those are good. We should do them. That's not good. Don't want to support it just because your cult leader said that they were a good thing. What about universal background checks to buy a firearm? Polls suggest that gun owners themselves overwhelmingly favor universal background checks. Yet 22% of firearms are obtained without them. 22% of firearms are obtained without them. Now, what's included in that 22%? Well, that's the gun show loophole, isn't it? That's just the gun shows. They just, it's all those mythical stores that you can go to and you don't have to do a background check. You know, 22% of the people that are out there buying them. <clears throat> no, that's, uh, that's not the case because we, we got the receipts in here from the study that the New York Times is referencing. Oh, if we look at all of these, what percentage came from the, uh, the gun shows? <laughs> Hold on here. Let me run through some of this stuff. All purchase firearms, uh, gun owners without a background check. Okay, we got that 22 number in there. The The gun shows are such a small percentage of the number where the transfer occurred. That was a 3%. Yeah, 3% out of the people that they surveyed. And that was the gun show. Most of this came from, uh, what do we got? Inheritance. That was a really big portion of it. Yeah, friend, acquaintance. That's where it came from. Okay, so what are you going to do about that? Of course, the way that they talk about these things, they make it sound like there's just all these mythical places where you can go and you can buy and they're not going to run any kind of background check. And what's really weird about the whole situation right now is the, is the kid who did this went through a background check and there was nothing on his background, but everyone's out there talking about background checks. Why is it? that after a shooting where the person went through a background check, are, does it seem like people on the political left are using it to push for more background checks? 
Not to mention, most of those that are obtained without background checks are because you inherited the weapon or because a family member or a friend gave it to you or sold it to you. It's not even the fact that you're running out to all the gun shows and that's where, all, where they're all getting purchased or anything. It's just a talking point. That's really all it is. So that whole background check thing, that's not really going to work, especially wouldn't have worked in this case. We know that. Okay. We got an issue with the age thing. What are we going to do about the age? Because uh, you can't, can't go out and buy alcohol unless you're 21. But then we let people vote when they're 18. There's a little bit of inconsistency here because voting, I think that's a pretty important thing, right? At least to people uh, that, that think that there's any reason for the political system that we have. Um, that That's a pretty important thing, right? Well, there's a lot of people on the left that think you should lower the voting age down to 16. So what are we doing here? You're allowed to drive when you're, when you're 16, but you got basically right at the same amount of young people that are killed in, in accident, car accidents as are killed by guns. By the way, half of those are accidents or, or suicides from those numbers. Uh, so yeah, we're very inconsistent on the age that we decide someone is an adult. Why don't we just pick a number and all this adulting, it just starts at that number, okay? And let's just be consistent. Everyone needs to be consistent on that. That way, we don't have to make these ridiculous arguments. Like, well, you can't drink until you're 21. Well, I also think people should be able to vote when they're 16, and they should be able to chop their golf whenever they're, uh, you know, four. So pff, when can people make their own decisions? I don't know. It really just depends on whatever my political affiliation is. That's really what it comes down to. Jennifer Rubin threw out, uh, threw out something. Listen, I mean, this is groundbreaking, monumental stuff right here. Our gun epidemic is a symptom of our broken democracy. Our democracy is broken. Again, we face a preventable tragedy, and that is the way everyone looks at it, a preventable tragedy. If only Congress would pass this law, then we wouldn't have to deal with this anymore. And so anyone thereby... Therefore, anyone who doesn't want to pass this law where they are responsible for all of these deaths, you know, that the, the political rhetoric, it makes complete and total sense. If you don't pass this law, which would definitely work, there's no reason it wouldn't work at all, uh, then you're responsible for every single person that dies from that. An extreme, irrational party that's rejected democratic principles and a constitutional structure that is ill-equipped to deal with it. The sole reason there's been no meaningful gun control legislation following these shootings in Parkland or Newtown is the GOP's adamant refusal to cross the gun lobby and its extremist base. I see a lot of people coming out against the gun lobby right now. I didn't realize it was such a big thing, but apparently the only reason that anyone thinks you should have a right to have a gun is because of the NRA. It's really just because of people from the gun lobby. That, that's it. You don't actually have any ideas that like people should be able to defend themselves against a tyrannical government or against someone who's trying to take their stuff, which is also the government sometimes. Uh, no, it's really just because the NRA. That's, a, that's the only reason that it is. Uh, let's see. The, the gun lobby and its extremist base already awash with guns. The country has instead witnessed further relaxation of reasonable gun restrictions. There's that reasonable word again. Age limits have been lowered. Gun licensing requirements have been repealed. Gun owners have been allowed to conceal, to carry concealed weapons, which, by the way, they've seen uh, helps reduce crime. Uh, this is gun fetish run amok. Republican politicians pose with weapons of war and campaign ads. 
and shoot at whatever object can be most dramatically destroyed. No sane society would permit this. If there's one policy issue that unites Americans, it's support for background checks, red flag laws, and other reasonable gun safety provisions. If you don't agree with those, then you're not reasonable. But Republicans refuse to do all that stuff, and that's only because of the NRA. That's the only reason. And they call themselves pro-life. The, the audacity of these people to call themselves pro-life, you know, to, to think that saving like these millions of this million children every year at the, at the expense of everyone who's killed by a gun that would have, that would not have passed whatever random background check. I mean, geez, you can't even do the math on that kind of thing. And here's where a constitutional checkmate works against even the wild, the widest democratic consensus consensus. The constitution allocates two senators to the most sparsely populated red states but none to Washington, D.C., and the filibuster provides gun absolutists with a veto over reforms. So she goes on to talk about the, it's not just guns, it's abortion, it's immigration, it's climate change, it's any other mildly controversial topic. The rigid GOP parlays the anti-democratic Senate and filibuster into an iron grip of minority rule. You want the majority to rule anything that the majority wants, that there will be done. Who cares when legislation on nearly every critical issue can be thwarted by an extreme minority? We have democracy in name only. Actually, we don't even have democracy in name. Can someone tell her that? Can someone? Can someone tell her she's she's. Con- She's complaining that we have democracy in name only. I get the fact that everyone gets a vote. Everyone gets a say. Like, we can vote for our representatives. We know that, but everyone listening to this show knows that we don't even have democracy in name only. Okay, we've got a republic, and there is a difference, and it is because majority rule is uh, is is tyrannical. It just is. Okay, now to the cops thing. Let's see how to address this. Okay, so once again, we have a situation here where the cops were outside while the gunman was inside killing kids for at least 40 minutes. Okay, that's too many. That's too many minutes. Now, to start off with, I'm not a cop, all right? Not a police officer. I don't have the guts to do it. I don't. It's To me, it would be a really scary job. I just wouldn't be able to do it. Every time you walk up to a car, it'd be scary. You have no idea what's going to happen. Every time you knock on someone's door, you have no idea what's going to happen. It would be really scary. But I do, I, uh, tell me if I'm wrong here. Do you guys feel like just this sense of, man, this is wrong to sit outside of a building while you can hear gunshots of kids getting killed to while setting up a perimeter and not only that, but restraining parents who were trying to go into the building. I get it. I get that you don't want there to be more victims. I get that you don't want to make the situation worse by doing that. What I, what I hope is that people that are police officers around the country will see this and they would at least feel the feeling of, man, if I were there and I heard like 10 year olds 
getting shot by this crazy person that I don't care if I lose my freaking job. I don't care what happens. I don't care if I can never be on the force again. There's no way I'm going to stand outside of a building while I can literally hear 10 year old kids getting shot by some crazy person. Is that too much? It, it, am I going overboard with that? I don't know what I would do in the situation. And I realize there's a rule book. And that's the problem sometimes, you know, with the government. They got the rule book. They got the list of things that they got to do. And you got to check off this list. And protocol dictates that we do this. And it's important to have a list of rules that you go by. Or we just have all this chaos. But then you encounter this situation where we need that quickly. You know, we don't need a... We don't, need to take a vote on this. We don't need to have a rule change come down from on high to do this. There's a person shooting children in the building next to you and you're standing outside. Someone, I, I don't understand being able to do that, but of course I'm not a cop and I don't have the guts to be a cop. But on top of that, and it's not only that, it's that the parents were trying to go in as well. And that's a that that's a whole other problem. And I'm gonna play this couple minutes video, and it's it's tough. It's tough to listen to. It's a lot of chaos going on. I'm gonna play this couple minutes of cell phone video taken, where not only are people upset and trying to get the cops to go in, um, parents are wanting to go in. They're restraining parents. They have parents pinned on the ground. The cops, one of the cops, has his taser out. For the, for the parents that are listening to potentially their kids getting shot by someone and they're, and they're focusing on the perimeter and keeping the parents in check and out of the building. I'm sorry, it just it bothers me. It does bother me. I mean, I mean no offense to people who are, who are police officers with this. I, it's, a, it's a tough job. And there's rules and you don't want there to be more victims and you don't want to create a worse situation where you're trying to save people or more hostage situation. We're going to play the video here for uh, here for a minute or so. We'll see what's going on. Yeah, I don't know. It just, uh, it bothers me a bit. And I can't imagine being one of those parents. And um, like I said, I know that that's a really scary situation. I like to think that I would do something different. I like to think that I would say, damn the job. I don't care. I don't care if I, if I lose my job right now. I don't care if they put me in prison. I'm out here. There's, <laughs> there's, a, there's a cop with a vest on, with, a, with an AR all kinds of stuff strapped around him. And his focus is making sure that the parents are listening to what the cops are saying to do. It's uh, it's terrible. All right, let me get to the actual article on this real quick. So from Reason, what do you guys think in the group, by the way? I see some people commenting about this. And, uh, you know, if, if I'm wrong on this, let me know. Send me an email, whatever. But, uh, you know, what do you think on this? I know that, that officers are not required to go into that dangerous situation and put their lives on the line. Supreme Court's already decided that. 
you know, and, and so this is the terrible part because we're, we're probably one of the few libertarian podcasts who aren't like, oh yeah, cops are murderers and they're terrible and, and <clears throat> everything they do is wrong and all that. But then it's like, what? You, you basically write reports and collect taxes and uh, make sure that people aren't doing things that are bad for themselves, like drugs and stuff. And then sometimes like you, you, you get that finally get that opportunity to, to actually stop a dangerous situation and to, and to protect people. And what people really want to see from the police is more of that whole protecting people in a dangerous situation right there, especially when there's little kids getting shot by someone, people are going to be upset about this. And I understand people being upset about this. We had the same thing, I believe in Parkland where the cops were outside for uh, an hour or so. And so uh, you just wonder, you just wonder what, what would have happened. So the article from Reason that's associated with this, video and witness accounts from outside Uvalde's elementary school suggest local police officers not only failed to try and stop the shooter for an unconsciously long time, but also actively prevented parents from trying to save their kids. The shooter was inside the school for 40 minutes, or more while police stood around outside the AP reports quote frustrated onlookers urged police officers to charge into the Texas elementary school but the officers reportedly waited outside until the SWAT team was ready and I get that it's the SWAT team that's supposed to go in and and, and do this kind of thing I, I understand that I know that how many lives could have been saved if the cops had acted sooner if they bravely put their lives on the line instead of letting elementary school children and teachers fend for themselves against an armed madman for nearly an hour. I'm going to keep saying the same thing, but like just being outside the building, if I was one of the parents, yeah, you're going to have to pin me down or tase me or do something like that, especially if I was one of the parents. If it was one of my nieces or nephews in there, yeah, same thing. I can't imagine sticking to the rule book while you can hear little kids getting shot in the background. I just can't. Instead, witnesses say the cops stood guard outside the school, preventing parents from rushing in to try and stop the shooter themselves. You should have the right to go in and try and stop someone from killing your kid. That's the other, that's where I really draw the line right here. Okay. That's where I really draw. You should have the right to go put your life in harm's way to stop someone from killing your kid. We'll just leave it at that right there. We don't have to go through the whole article from uh, from Reason right here. The other thing that we're hearing right now, and then we're going to wrap this up, you know, because it's just me. By the way, here's a picture I have pulled up of one of the cops sitting outside with a taser. He didn't have the taser because he thought that the shooter was going to run past him outside. He had the taser out for the parents. Um. Well, Reason also did another good article where they say there's been 13 mass school shootings since 1966. 13. Now, there, there is a wording thing in there, mass school shootings. When we talk about all this stuff, when everyone's really upset, and they talk about mass shootings, they talk about school shootings, whatever it is, we've muddied up all of the, all of the numbers on this. What people are really upset about, because you notice it's, it's not national news when... Um, when two kids get in a fight in the school parking lot 
after school hours or after a football game or something when two kids get in a fight and and one of them shoots the other one. Like we're not talking about that on the news. That's not something that that's, no, it's not something that we discuss really. Maybe it's in the local news, of course. But that's not something that people get all upset about. We're not seeing all these crazy speeches from the senators and and Congress people out there that Biden doesn't go out there and talk about it because that's not the one that people are talking about. That's the kind of thing that happens more often. These types of things are extremely rare, but you would think that there's more of them. You, You must think that you just forgot about it or it didn't get covered on the news or something like that. Because apparently the number that everyone's throwing out there is that there's been 27 school shootings this year. Even NBC News that we read yesterday said that the number was BS and that there's been four. And those weren't mass shootings. Those even included uh, some other disputes, like someone being mad at one of the people at the school, one of the teachers, or one of the administrators, something like that. When you talk about a mass school shooting, that's the thing that people really, really care about. And when you do those numbers, there's been 13 of them, according to Reason right here. So from that article, and all of these will be in the show notes, an NPR article highlighting this statistic has been shared frequently on social media. The headline, 27 school shootings have taken place so far this year, probably gave many readers the impression that gun-related killings in schools have been especially high this year even before Uvalde. Naturally, the prospect of 26 other previously unnoticed mass shooting events in schools should provoke alarm, but it should also raise eyebrows. The problem here is that there are three very differently defined terms that are being used pretty much interchangeably. School shooting, mass shooting, and mass school shooting. And maybe people won't notice when they first see the article headline. They said mass school shooting. That's why they said there's been 13 since 1966. Uvalde was a mass school shooting. The 26 previous at schools this year were not. The difference is significant. Education Week, which tracks all school shootings, defines them as incidents which a person other than the suspect suffers a bullet wound on school property. Many of the 26 previous shootings include disputes between students in parking lots or after athletic events. All of them resulted in one or zero deaths. These deaths are tragic, but they're not like what we're talking about right now. Okay, this one was a mass school shooting. The Gun Violence Archive counts incidents in which at least four people were shot. Under this definition, many incidents of street crime and domestic violence count as mass shootings. Even if there's no deaths, it counts as a mass shooting. A stricter tally of mass school shootings conducted by the Scientific American only includes incidents where the shootings resulted in at least four deaths. Using their criteria, the number of mass school shootings in the U.S. since the year 1966 is 13. These these crimes claim the lives of 146 people. Now, doing it by deaths, I will say I'm not sure I agree with that being the way that, that you would count this, okay? That is by sheer... Uh, luck or the grace of God that there, that people didn't die. If someone were to take an AR and say shoot a bunch of people on a subway train like a month ago or however long it was and no one died miraculously a miracle that no one died like is that a mass shooting? I think it's a mass shooting. It's not a mass killing because not everyone died but the 
you know, the statistics should still count the fact that the mass shooting occurred. It's not a mass death. So, obviously, 13 incidents in the last 56 years is very different than the 27 in the last few months. And that's what a lot of people think. Even uh, Charlie talked about yesterday. His dad was saying, oh, are you scared to send Parker to school? You know, it's uh, more dangerous for kids to be at school because of guns than it is even to be in the car. And that, no, it's not. It's actually not. People are conflating all of these different numbers. And I think that might be by design. It's so hard to actually figure out what all these numbers are. I've actually resorted because I don't really trust what anyone is telling me. I resorted to actually downloading the databases that these people are using. And now I'm building my own Excel spreadsheets and dashboards and, uh, and, doing my own reports on all of this so I can actually figure out what the data is. And my, my wife is an Excel expert. And so she's helping me tie together all these different data points and, and put all that together. Cause I just, I don't trust how everyone is actually counting all this. And then the other thing that we're hearing is about assault weapons bans. That's something people really want to do right now. And so if you are going to argue on their level from their standpoint on the thing that they're talking about, that's not going to work. Okay. First off, uh, this is a stat from Fee. Now, this is from 2007 to 2017 because this article uh, was written a few years ago. But your total homicides in that 10-year period, it was 150,000. Gun homicides were 103,000. Mass shooting homicides were 495. I'll say that again. Total homicides were 150,000. Mass shooting homicides were 495 over that 10-year period. And 253 of those mass shooting homicides involved assault weapons. So if that is the thing that people really want to cut out, that's actually the little sliver of the pie that they're talking about getting rid of. And they do that because it's easy to score political points. That's the thing that people get upset about. It doesn't matter what the actual numbers are on it. And... I've seen a lot of people, including Occupy Democrats post about how the assault weapons ban, that that actually, that actually worked from 94 to 2004. Uh, that was banned. It had a 10 year sunset on it and we reduced gun deaths somehow. That's what Occupy Democrats and a lot of other people on Twitter are saying. Um, in fact, there's little evidence that those weapons bans worked in the past. From 94 to 2004, Congress banned the manufacture, sale, or transfer of a large number of assault weapons, including some handguns and high-capacity magazines. An assessment study commissioned by the Department of Justice in 2004 found no evidence that the ban had any effect on gun violence and concluded that it, should it be renewed, the ban's effects on gun violence are likely to be small at best and perhaps too small for reliable measurement. And in fact, I went and read the Department of Justice study, and this might have weighed in on why they didn't renew the thing, because literally Department of Justice said that they couldn't find any effect from it. Although the ban has been successful in reducing crimes with assault weapons, any benefits from this reduction have been outweighed by steady or rising use of non-banned semi-automatics, which are used in crime more frequently than assault weapons. Therefore, we cannot clearly credit the ban with any of the nation's recent drop in gun violence. And indeed, there has been no discernible reduction in the lethality and in injuriousness 
of gun violence based on indicators like percentage of gun crimes resulting in death, any of that stuff. However, the grandfathering provision of the ban guaranteed that the effects of this law would occur gradually over time. Those effects, so this is where they say maybe it will work eventually if we just keep it going. Those effects are still unfolding and may not be fully felt for several years. They then go on to say, having said this, the ban's impact on gun violence is likely to be small at best and perhaps too small for reliable measurements. Assault weapons were used in no more, no more than 8% of gun crimes before the ban. Guns with large capacity magazines are used in up to a quarter of gun crimes, but it's not clear how often outcomes of gun attacks depend on the ability to fire more than 10 shots. Nonetheless, reducing crimes could have non-trivial effects on gunshot victimization. So they talk about the amount of uh, the amount of rounds you're able to fire and the statistics of actually hitting someone. So they talk about how this could happen. Okay, but the evidence on these matters is too limited to make firm projections on the ban's impact. Should it be reauthorized? So maybe you can throw this little article out from Fee there too. I'll put it in the show notes. All this said, we just argued from other people's perspective. We need to also argue from our own. Uh, screw whatever your arguments are. I have the right to defend myself. You can't tell me that I can't have this gun because you don't have the right to tell me that I can't have this gun. And by the way, um, I, I don't care. I don't care what you think. There you go. I have the right to do this. And everything that you want to do is just completely pointless and it's not going to work. There's your official argument for people. Good luck with that. If you enjoyed today's show, we'll come back tomorrow for Dumb Bleep of the Week, where we talk about all the dumbest stuff that we saw this week and the live group votes on it. It's sure to be a good time. Make sure you come to the podcast next week. I won't be here, but we are lining up some great podcasts to put into our feed next week uh, from our listeners, from our uh subscribers that we have the live group members we're going to be putting some podcasts onto the feed next week so even if you see hey it's not nate and charlie it might even be better you might find something that you really like and enjoy so come back and do that for sure if you do all of those things tell a friend tell a family member tell the children tell your grandma and grandpa that they need to listen to good morning liberty i'll be right back here again tomorrow for don't believe of the week till then have a good day and a good morning liberty